Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. I mean, you're totally, you're totally normal. Welcome once again back to Quality Time. Uh, I'm your uh, one third of your host, Mr. Eric Woodworth. I'm joined by uh, first my blood, my brother, Jeremy. How are you? Um, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, is this Brian James? Oh damn it! I knew it. I knew you were going to do your Brian James. Yeah. Hi, I'm Brian James. <laughs> go, go ahead. You go ahead and grab a cigarette out of the, out of the thing if you want. That's fine. I'm not going to go for it. <laughs> the one who who steals the child of uh, the uh, ambisextious uh, alien from uh, And Me Mine. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. You're now... <laughs> <laughs> You're now in the movie Enemy Mine. That's great. Oh, that was Jim John Amos in uh, Enemy Mine. I'm kidding. Yes, John Stamos. Lewis Lewis Gossett Jr. Yes. Yes, I'm. I've got an Iron Eagle in my pants, and also Dennis, we're joined Dennis, Dennis Quaid in uh, Enemy Mine. Yeah. Yes, I do love a Dennis Quaid. Uh, we're also joined by the very lovely, very talented Miss Ashley Pontasa. Welcome. How are Hi. you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, Daddy. <laughs> Excelente. Um, we have a great show lined up for today, uh, and another and, and a fun movie to go over. But I know we all have stories this week. I actually have one that I've been teasing both of you with uh, earlier in the week, and I want to yes. get it off my chest. Um, okay. So, uh, what wife does about sex. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's what happens. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so earlier in this week, uh, I had, to, I needed to make a trip to my local Goodwill and uh, I frequent a Goodwill or two, uh, in the, uh, in the Maryland area from places I work. Uh, I'm a collector of things. You can never, you never know what you're going to find, but what I will say is, you know how there's a whole website dedicated to the people of Walmart, Yes. <laughs> there is a subsect of people that I like to call the people of goodwill. And listen, the people of goodwill make the people of Walmart look like they're at a fancy banquet hall because the people <laughs> of goodwill are just a different, complete breed. It's a whole step down from Walmart. Trust me. Yes. 
Um, I will. I know that I will always find a couple of things people at Goodwill every time I go. One, there will be a a googly eyed Mexican and looking in the <laughs> shoe section. It's just going to happen. I don't know why, but there will always be just one Tommy Simbazo eyed Latino American, probably who walked here from Guatemala, looking for some hot. Jordans. I can't explain. Because he it. wants to look muy guapo. Yes, yes. Wait, mom, tell you about the, uh, or was it Rachel about the fight at the at the Goodwill? No, but we'll. You can tell that after we get through this, okay? Because that sounds like a whole story. Um, I believe it. Well, let's find out about it as we move through this, because that sounds like a whole thing. Now let me get through the people of. Uh, that I always see at Goodwill. I will also always see like a person who is mid transition. So this is a start transition person where you can see that they were ever whatever gender, but it's like we're in week one or two. And I swear like they haven't, part of me says they're not fully committed to the transition yet. That's why they're at Goodwill shopping because Goodwill shopping means we're going to go cheap. Okay. So they're looking for things to fill their bra with and they haven't shaved. Exactly. Yes. You're getting it. There's always one of those. And also a severely uh, mentally handicapped person. All those three people will always be there when you show up to a Goodwill. I don't care what time of day it is. Um, There will always be somebody who is uh, a mentally challenged man who is paying only in change and then also arguing about what he gave you. And I don't know how the people that work there put up with them. God bless them. <laughs> but this was a new thing that I saw this week. Now, this mentally was, challenged, but evil. Yes, but but also real mean. Uh, <laughs> to be clear, they're the type of, they're not Special Olympians. They're the ones that will rip your arm out of a socket if you try to grab the tie that they're looking at. So, Like, like, a, like a Wookiee. Yes. So uh, I, I walk in and uh, I realize that the Goodwill in, my, in, uh, in Eldersburg, where I live, uh, has now moved. It's at the new place, which is actually closer to my house that used to be a giant. So it's a huge goodwill now. So now it's even closer to you. So now it's even now it's even more of a problem for me. So <laughs> I walk up and it it just happens to be opening like day of this. So it's packed to the fucking gills. Like there was like, so I get to see every the whole mosaic of uh, <laughs> of people that are here. I go uh, and I have a purpose. I'm I want to buy a receiver because my receiver burned out for my outside speakers. That I it's just like you know it plays my music outside. I have it hooked up to a Bluetooth. It's great, but it crapped out. I had it for like 13 years. I also got that for free. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Goodwill. If you want to buy old audio equipment, it is the place to fucking go. You will find it there. So I'm over there looking, and uh, I'm in the furniture section, which is right next to Crappy Electronics, and I see a woman who well i'll save the woman hold on first i see this guy who is a uh, uh i i'm gonna say african he's definitely african not just black i mean like these this is the way um african shiny black and he is <laughs> what was that jeremy he called him shiny black could be could be black that, that's actually shiny. Okay, <laughs> I believe the word you're looking for is mahogany. <laughs> shiny black. 
shiny, shiny people holding hands. Oh, God. All right. Michael Stipe song. So I see this this African man, and he is, uh, he's looking at an exercise bike that, I don't think Jeremy would even pull out of a dumpster. Truly, it's not a good. It's not a good shape. It looks actually. The condition is that it looks like Jeremy's ridden it for a while. It's got a layer of crust on it that can't. Like they were like, the people were like, yeah, we'll sell it. Don't even wipe it down. Put it out there. Um, <laughs> and he's look. He's looking at it like he's like this thing looks fucking tight. This looks good. So he, I see him get on this bike. Okay, and uh, he starts to pedal. And his mind almost fucking explodes when he realizes that the the handlebars actually move too. Like he's never even seen this technology. Like, like this. <laughs> his arms are moving back and forth. He's looking at his wife. He's just like, "We're living. We're, our lives have changed because we found this fifteen dollar electric <laughs> exercise bike." He has have one, had one of these in Uganda. Yes, it is wild. He's like, I could power my house. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I have no idea. He's just ecstatic. And then he looks at it. I see him and his wife talking. They look at it. They decide to leave it. <laughs> he really did love this bike, truly. Oh. Ashley, I'm sorry. You looked like you were about to say something about so, this. It wasn't important, but I just, <laughs> I was like, why don't we make a show about these people and call it American Nose Pickers? <laughs> Just all of the goodwill, or we could call it Goodwill Hunter. <laughs> goodwill Hunter. I'm not. I'm not like OCD, but if I if I buy something at, at Goodwill, ninety nine percent has been touched by that somebody did, just died of COVID like a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'm cool. I've, I've got COVID twice, so fuck it. Yeah, they, you yes. know, that's the one part they leave out of the uh, miniseries, The Stand. How good was the secondhand thrift stores? You know, I'm when pretty it sure they, they, <laughs> they've sanitized every single piece that none, none of it. It's oh, well, I've only ever seen The Stand, which is about a family that stood around a TV stand at Goodwill for an hour debating if they really needed it. I I have an idea for a great uh, goodwill based uh, uh, show. How about okay. we go in with a black light and guess what the bright color means? Mm. Um, <laughs> so use use a pool thing where you determine the color of the algae. Oh God! So I can't believe they somebody could shoot shoot that into the ceiling. Wow! So that wasn't the but that wasn't the main person I saw. Okay. <laughs> same section. Same section. And when I walked in originally, I saw this lady. Um, she uh, is standing there, uh, and it looks like there's some things that are out of place. And I'm like, okay, but she looks like she's holding a dress up to herself in the in the mirror. And I'm like, okay, um, she's maybe um, late fifties, maybe maybe uh, maybe early sixties. Okay? okay, white woman definitely has the makeup prowess of a. Um, like a death becomes her, but after she died and they're trying to do it on themselves, not good. It's it looks like like she's trying to cover up that she's actually the super villain jigsaw underneath her. <laughs> like there's a caked on layer that can't fill in the wrinkle. Like you'd have to spackle the wrinkles out, but she's trying. Okay, she's okay. trying. Real hot mess. Okay. Okay. And I don't think anything of it, and I'm looking around. 
And I look back. This lady's fucking topless the next second. <gasps> <laughs> and I say topless as in she's no longer wearing a top. She's wearing uh, not a bra, but a bikini that looks like it's three sizes too big. And there's 100% just a titty flopping out in the goodwill right now. I'm looking around at this point and like, am I being punked? Are there cameras in the goodwill? Has somebody already taken my idea of a jackass based reality TV show within the goodwill? I'm like, is anyone seeing this? Okay. So I kind of turn away. I'm like, all right, let's not look at this. I look back. She's in that dress now. She's completely in the dress. She goes like this. There's a lady that walks by seven foot tall black woman i mean ginormous lady Mm -hmm. she goes hey can you zip this up i hate that they don't have people here that can help you with this (laughs) and this lady this the lady makes this like stink face like what why the fuck are you doing this and she raises like her eight foot wingspan out to just (laughs) grab the little class and zips up her back like that and goes Okay, I'm walking away now. And she goes on about her business. I'm like, oh my, this this bitch is using the furniture section as a changing room right now. I look over at her cart. I look over at her cart, Ashley. She has what I could only describe as like a laundry pile of clothing that she's pulled off. And I was like, she's got, she's in there. She's like, I'm going to try on every one of these motherfuckers until I know what I want. Because you know what? Even though it's a dollar 60, I can't afford to come back here to return this. Mm -hmm. It ain't happening. Mm -hmm. So I finally, (laughs) I see this bitch that go put on, she's defrobing at, she's ready to throw on another item. When I see some like uh, he's got to be like 15 years old he's wearing a goodwill shirt he's working there he's like um and i can hear him like kind of always like i listen i'm not gonna say you can't do this but i don't know all the rules i just don't think this is right (laughs) and she was like well i can't you mean i can't you guys don't have changing rooms here's like i know but like you can't get topless in the goodwill I just, uh, I don't know if them's the rules, but I feel like it's kind of like, maybe you should stop. And I saw her like, okay, well, I'm not putting all these back with this giant pile of clothes. She just grabs the one dress that she put on and then, uh, I think paid for that and left. But yes, that was my, uh, people of goodwill story. Like, why? I was terrified. I was terrified you were going to tell me she turns to you and she's like, young boy. (laughs) (laughs) Zip me up, please. <laughs> and she, she is Eric's woman in the bathtub from The Shining. <laughs> well, uh, that I, that's where I was getting to, guys. I'd like to welcome our guest this week, going over crime wave, Miss Claudia. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. She's not on the show. Um, but yeah. Really? She sounds like one of our guests. <laughs> she, she'll be featuring for me soon. <laughs> No, so she's a, that was, I mean, this is what I, the thought process. Now I did tell this to, um, I told this to somebody at work. He was, and they looked me dead in the eyes. He's like, I guess this is what you get, man. They took the changing rooms out because of COVID. They never put them back in. (laughs) I don't, I don't think that's totally why I could tell you, I've been to stores where they were like, Hey, you can't do drugs and pass out in here. Like, that's why some stores are getting rid of dressing rooms. They're like, hey, you can't shoot up in the dressing room and then not vacate the dressing room. 
Don't yeah. you have that special shelf where you can, uh, you know, heat up your spoon? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what dressing rooms, if you can't have unprotected gay sex or do drugs, what's the point of even having a dressing room? Why is there a hole in the wall for have sex? Yeah, they took out those baby changing tables, and I'm like, hey, people do drugs off of these. Like, <laughs> was something to hang your, your clothes on, but instead it came out because there was a penis. <laughs> so. True story. Uh, but yeah, that was my fun trip to the Goodwill. Now, Ashley, uh, you had you went to a comedy festival, I believe, with the great Chris Lawrence. Now, is that was he part of? It was this? on one. Yes. Okay, yeah. How did that go? It was good. Um, I had a really good time. Uh, yeah, Chris Lawrence brought his 13-year-old daughter, um, which I didn't get to see her perform any stand-up, but they had like a kid's section at like 2 o'clock. Apparently, she buried her dad. Hell yeah. No one can stop talking about it. It is... <laughs> Very funny. Uh, even better, though, she stuck to me like glue the whole night. And then she's like, oh, my God, I think Ashley's like my hero. She does all kinds of cool stuff. And Chris is like, I hate this. And uh, I just enjoyed all night endearing as, as Chris, his daughter to me. As Chris is shittily putting on his black lipstick and crow makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I did do that to him. I also had a show with him Friday night, and I did that do that to them every time. He'd be like, "Oh, sorry, like we're almost out of beer or whatever," and I'd be like, "Can't drink all the time." And then <laughs> every single thing he would do, he'd be like, "Oh, I need some water," and I'm like, "Can't drink water all the time." He's like, "Why do you keep doing this?" And I just, and I was like how does it feel to be bullied into your forties? And he goes, that's the same as it felt in my thirties, my twenties, <laughs> the tens. But even better, it was like Chris's daughter yesterday was like, Oh man, you really bully my dad. And I turned to her, I've got a beer in my hand. I go, does that bother you? She goes, no, I love it. Keep doing it. <laughs> Fantastic. So now I had a, um, I had a I had a good time. Uh, I was trying to think of anything like really important happened. Yeah, I just had comedy uh, all all weekend. I did like. I don't think I broke my finger. Do you see this? Oh my gosh, your finger looks like you're about to buy a uh, a bike at Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very shiny black. Some would say. <laughs> yeah, dude, I have no idea what happened. Um, last night I was on stage. I did tell a few people this. <laughs> The only thing I can think of is when I was on stage at one point last night, I felt a pain in my hand and I thought, am I having a stroke? Because this is exciting. <laughs> um, but I felt a pain in my hand and it did scare me while I was on stage, but just didn't think anything of it. Went about my day, got up this morning, washed my face, looked down at my hand and I was like, oh, fuck. Did I like break my finger? Um, I have no idea. So that'll be fun to find out. Or you just forgot it, when did it happen? You don't even know when it happened. Last well, last night I felt a pain in that hand, like that finger, while I was on stage, but I couldn't stop what I was doing, so I just pushed through and then, you know, just went about my night. The only thing I can think of is sometimes I wrap my key ring through that finger, and if I wasn't paying attention last night and like just even did something stupid, maybe it's not broken, but I might have like plopped popped a blood vessel or something in my hand oh. be a tumor I, oh, God, I i'd like up. to throw this out there um and maybe after you 
bullied Chris for so long, uh, he went home and chose the finger part of his voodoo doll he has of you, and he was like, ah, like, just right oh, in there. I, I thought you were going to say he put some of his pubes in my drink, like, midsummer, <laughs> make me be like, Chris, you're the best loser I've ever met. Uh, great. Uh, no. what, if we find, what if we find out that Chris Lawrence has the the darkest of the evil arts. He's like, oh, now I have put done something to her finger. I love the crow. <laughs> That's totally Chris Lawrence right there. I will say he's he is such a good person and he lets me pick on him all the time incessantly. And I was like, you need to start standing up for me. Um, but the just it just makes me just makes me laugh that his worst nightmare came true yesterday. That the woman in his life that means the most to him, his daughter, now fucking loves me hell yeah it's the best day hell yeah well that's awesome uh congrats to to chris and and chris we do love you truly and the crow uh but shut the fuck up yourself um (laughs) okay i love the crow (laughs) (laughs) he did tell his daughter he's like don't tell her any personal information that she can use to talk shit about me (laughs) so uh, a couple stories, though. Uh, Jeremy, there's a Father's Day. You had a party at work for Father's Day, yes? Yeah. I, uh, oh, gosh. I knew there was going to be a party. We had a uh, mission barbecue shipped in. I've been doing this for a month now. A month. Uh-huh. I'm trying to unpack this as, as lightly as I can because this is as bad as, like, Jeff. This is so bad as Jeff. Okay, that, this is a Jeff level anger, or uh, or the this, act that somebody else did was like a Jeff act. Jeff level level of just like I'm gonna explode eventually. I will explode because I can't okay. stand it. Because okay. um, say it, say it, Woodworth, say it, Woodworth is the nicest I can. Okay, here we go. Can't go to lunch every fucking day unless I bring my headphones. And I can listen to music on my headphones. Otherwise, there is a certain person who has to eat lunch at the same time. And he has his lunch smacking away as loudly as a dog can do this. (laughs) So let me get he sits down in front of like um, like a giant plate of mission barbecue. He's just peeled it all off and he's looking like, oh, yeah, this looks Oh, Eric. Stop. Exactly. It's the most fucking obnoxious thing to do. I almost want to just sip my drink like... <laughs> like, is this fucking annoying to you? Is this fucking annoying? You fucking what, what I what I what I like to do? What I like to do is I like to take the shredded pork and I dip it in the barbecue and I just go oh, and then I take stop. it out and I dip that's it. Not the, that's not the bad, best part. I've heard him ten feet away from me for literally a month. So what does he do? He comes and sits right next to me. So oh, can- so now you have the chomp that you have the bad eater that's going to sit right next to you, and he eats like Paul Shore. Headphones are on. Thank God, because we like can can you can you stop eating with your fucking mouthful? Yeah. So you're making the most obnoxious fucking noise. He just goes no. I put my headphones. I, I'm good. No, so hey, you you want to know who else eats like that? By the way, so Rob Mayer and uh, Tommy Simbaza worked with Pauly Shore, and they thought he was <laughs> like Tommy thought he was legit, just trying to be funny, 
And he, he came right. in and was just eating a sandwich. And he said, Polly Shore legit eats like this. And it did not, not a joke because they mentioned it. And he was like, what? I'm just eating. And he goes, he, he literally, he, he, this is how he eats a sandwich. <sighs> like that. And he, he legit eats and just goes. Yeah, like but we that. all know he's got fetal alcohol syndrome, right? <laughs> like, that's obvious. If I have to be within a hearing range of somebody, I will fucking move. I, I can't I can't stand it. You were like, gross. hey, man, eating sounds are pretty disgusting. Uh, on my, my, I'm looking around because it is Father's Day right now. I'm recording this. But, uh, my youngest uh, eats like that, too. It's it, I like so much so that I had to, like, at the movies, I was like, I'm going to take away all the food that you have if you cannot close your mouth right now because this is I tried to watch a movie right now and I can't I can't take it I realize we're at Mario Brothers but she's just like she's just going <laughs> like like almost eating like a thing from critters like it's it, it's visible like she hums while she does it too she's like like I think I don't know how happy she is that part of it brings me joy but part of is like this is the most disgusting thing that you do you pig. Uh, it does some low level return yeah <laughs> Who, who's the, the chinese guy from kill bill that says oh you you, you want to eat like that you eat on the fucking yeah. floor yeah like a dog yeah. <laughs> uh anyway I, i'll i'll be over the the story <laughs> at the at the father's day thing here's here's the fun part I, I met somebody uh, on Saturday, my one yard sale, mm-hmm. and I look through the record albums, and this old guy starts talking to me like, "Yeah, you got some, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into this, this music too." And he's older; he's I've got his like 60, 65. So I'm talking to him, and I talk some more, I talk some more, and I talk movies. Finally, he's an electrician. He's worked with John Waters. He's worked with this movie, with this other movie. Oh. He's talking about bad movie sets where people are assholes. <laughs> and the best thing is about, <laughs> okay, his name was John, but he's like, hey, you remember that scene in uh, Dirty Shame? I was the one that made the uh, the vagina things on the trees and the and the dicks on the trees. <laughs> so, Here so, we found okay. a soulmate. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've literally talked for more than an hour. I was like, uh, this is really great. I gotta go, but th- I, this has been awesome. I got his card, got a little, a little Dewalt card, on his, and I gave him a, a Pogo card. So that's good. Well, great. I'm, oh, listen, yeah. I'm glad you made a new friend, Jeremy. Oh, uh, who did who did I meet on Friday? That's right. Outside, just before I went in, Ma D. Okay, hey, can I can I preface? Can I set this story up real quick? Do you mind if I just get you to mod? Part of your story too. This is the because I have, I want to know what happened after you guys met, but I remember the initial reaction because I was on my way out. So I stopped by uh, the Westminster Stables because my friend Justin Scott and Spiegel were up there, and I wanted to just say hello in and out <laughs> like this. I wanted to go in and out. Jeremy has been planning this for months. He wanted to go up there. I was like, hey, not a problem. I'll, I'll, I'll make an appearance. So uh, I show up there, and I see the great Tom Nutty there. Tom Nutty's outside. We're having a good chat. I make my thing. I go, hey, cool. I'm going to go to work now. just want to say hi. Uh, uh, so I'm chatting with Tom Nutty. And who rolls up but my sweet brother. My sweet brother rolls up and uh he uh not long after we're there, 
uh, an older black woman approaches. She's probably in like her sixties. Um, yeah, yeah, it had to be sixties for sure. Um, and she notices my shirt and she says, Hey, what is children of the new dawn? And I said, uh, you know, it's a, it's from a Nicolas Cage movie. It's called Mandy. Uh, it's really good. She goes, Oh, I love Nikki Cage. Nikki. I've seen every Nikki Cage movie. I was like, Oh yeah. Have you seen Mandy? And she's like, Oh, I've never seen it. And I was explaining it to her. She's excited. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, you know what else one is great. Have you seen Renfield? She hasn't seen it. So that she doesn't love her that much. So, because there's two new movies that I just mentioned, she's never seen before, but that's fine. That's okay. You love them though. But no, she talks about raising Arizona. Then she starts talking about how she went to go meet William. Shatner at Monster Mania and I see Jeremy's ears perked up and part of him he's no longer listening he's just waiting to tell her how he goes to Monster Mania I can see it in his eyes there's a glint he's stopped listening to what she's saying um, and he just can't wait he also she also mentions uh, 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 Kassir the guy the voice of the Crypt Keeper who does the intro to our show great guy Towson alum Jeremy did mention this he goes he was like Jeremy goes hey you know where he's from and she goes yeah he's from Maryland he goes Towson. And I go, Jeremy, that counts. Her answer counts that she said. <laughs> it counts what she said. And then, so something happens where they're talking about William Shatner and how she got to meet Shatner. And she, apparently what she does, she's like, usually I walk with a walker. By the way, she walks fine. She's like, I walk with a walker out those things. Because when they see you have a walker, there's a good chance they don't charge you to meet celebrities. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and she got to meet William Shatner because she was walking with a walker, which is all, by the way, Jeremy's in love now, okay? <laughs> so as we're <laughs> you're like, oh my God, she does bits at Monster Mania. Uh, we, so, we can <laughs> totally find you a walker at a yard sale or the yes, Goodwill. Yes. So, I, I have my own walkers. Oh yeah, he he does have <laughs> polio crutches. He used them at Magoobies. So anyway, um, <laughs> to get in for free. Now listen, we are... Uh, now this is the part that made me laugh the hardest and and also made Tom Nutty laugh. Some they talk about Star Trek and he goes she goes looks at Jeremy she's like you must be a Star Trek fan and he goes nah, actually I'm more of a Star Wars fan and he's like she's like you know I became a biomechanical engineer because of Star Trek and he goes oh Jeremy looks her dead in the eye he's like cuz of Uhura the only black person on the show <laughs> black woman <laughs> and she has this moment like is it cuz it, like it's a look that says you're just saying that because I'm black, aren't you? And then <laughs> she goes, no, because of Spock. And then she gives him the whole live long and prosper like this. <laughs> and, then, and me and Tom Nutty start fucking busting out laughing. I want to know, though, um, <laughs> boys, here's the thing, though. Was she was she shiny black or was she matte black? <laughs> she, 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 she was more of a Jason Weems in Hugh. Um, <laughs> could have been, she could have almost been uh, Jada Pinkett or uh, Haley, Haley Barry. In terms yeah. of painting, is she one coat or three? <laughs> So uh, that was uh, Jeremy ended up telling me that was Ma D. How was the rest of your experience with the great Ma D, though, uh, Jeremy? Uh, she loved me. I loved mm. her. She gave me some kudos. Because, you really are famous. And I'm like, yeah, mm. but you're you're like with uh, you're you're tight with Wendy on on almost a a, a bit with her now. Um, she was very very loving and very nice, but. Um, let me get get to the other. 
er- Eric figured out who uh, Fat Joe was because he has a big uh, orange vest that looks like a bussy shirt, uh, jacket now. So this is a person. Jeremy sent me a picture of someone who Joe, was just Joe, Joe Fat Joe. Fat Joe. Who you mean I, the rapper Fat Joe? I you said his name was Fat Joe. I I said his name. I never said his name was Fat Joe. No. I Does said, he look like Joe Robinson, but a fatty? So I'm let me. These are the texts. These are the texts. Nutty said he was. This is. These are the things that I'm getting from Jeremy. Oh, Justin said it was. It was Fat Joe. Okay. Okay. So you met Fat Joe, a man who's wearing a vest with lots of Ghostbusters stuff on it. Yeah, and he's he has a, a Ghostbusters <laughs> emblem, a, re, a metal emblem around his neck. <laughs> oh. oh it was, but I had to take the picture on one of his, <laughs> one of his corner patches. It's, it's a patch of Cobra <laughs> with Transformers in the middle of it. <laughs> well, that that there has been many uh, Transformers GI Joe crossovers. That was actually a whole comic book series, Jeremy. So he's just a big Transformers GI Joe fan. I got right. my taken with some other guy named Kirk McEwen. Okay. You're you're you you've been on this on the evening show how many times now? I I not far too many. <laughs> Scott, didn't, Scott didn't recognize me, so it's, even though I, I I shook his hand from. And uh, finally, uh, Stan Boney recognized me, and I I gave him uh, the uh, Killer Clown DVD. Final, thank you. More pe- the more people that see the Killer Clown meets the Candyman, the better this world will be. And even though even though I showed the the DVD to uh, uh, Justin, he probably didn't want it. So yeah, I know. There's nothing that you could ever want that he'll ever bring to his house that won't go directly into the trash can, Jeremy. Now, um, but that's good. I'm glad you had a great time. Um, uh. But we do need to get, we're way over time at this point. We need to get into this oh, week's movie. Uh, Ashley, this week was, uh, oddly enough, your pick. Um, and you picked, um, <laughs> you picked the great 1985 crime wave. Uh, a Sam Raimi joint, which I'm excited uh, that you picked. Ashley, why crime wave? Um. Well... I know, I kind of knew that it was a movie near and dear to your heart. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, it's a group effort. Like, obviously, I want to pick something we're all maybe going to want to watch. I am the only one who had never seen this movie. And when I found out this is directed by the Sam Raimi. The Sam Rit- Raimi. The Sam Raimi. Written in conjunction with the fucking Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. Starring Bruce Campbell. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to fucking love this movie. Right, right, right. It took me six days <laughs> <laughs> to finish this movie. Uh, one thing I will say about Crime Wave, which I was exposed to as a child, and I definitely enjoyed uh, because I watched a lot of Three Stooges. If you go into it knowing that this is like a Three Stooges movie, it's a fucking knock out of the park. Uh, but let me also, sorry, I apologize for getting off, but let me add on to what Eric is saying. If you like the movies that Eric and Jeremy like, like Cabin Boy and <laughs> Freddie Got Fingered and 
pennies from heaven. <laughs> this is the movie for you. It is the movie. <laughs> um, that I will say, though, that when you read it on paper, Coen Brothers, Sam Raimi, you're thinking it's going to be a knockout of the park. You're thinking, oh my God, it's also got uh, the great Bruce Campbell in it. It also has Byron James and a bunch of other great character actors. Yeah. I do, I will say that this movie is kind of like, um, I like I like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Um, I don't know if it goes, you know, with a, a steak. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think those two things need to be mashed together. I like yes. my Sam Raimi as my Sam Raimi. I like my Coen Brothers as my Coen Brothers mashed up. It was a weird thing. So much so that mm-hmm. even the great Sam Raimi, he said when he met uh, Ethan Coen, he was just like, this guy's never going to fucking make it. He is... <sighs> He, he was sure that this guy is going to suck for the rest of his life. Um, yeah. But uh, he did always uh, enjoy some of the scripts that he wrote, but he never thought he would see success. And I bet you to a certain extent the Coen brothers were like, Sam Raimi guy's good, but uh, he's never going to make it. <laughs> it just- would be like me and Chris Lawrence going on tour together. Exactly. I would say that very much, very yeah. much so. Um, I love Sam and it doesn't need to be with my peanut butter. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't need them both oh. together. Why are you bringing up my snatch? (laughs) I'm pretty much sure that's like uh, Chris Lawrence. You just you just be shushed. Yeah. So (laughs) the uh, the movie kicks into high gear right off the bat. There's a man on death row, and I have an audio clip that really sets it up. And so at midnight, just 12 minutes from now, mass murder of Victor Ajax will be executed in the Hudsucker State Penitentiary. Now it's Ajax's turn to die. For Ajax, the security systems repairman, it's death by electrocution. Thus writing Finney to the horrible tale of murder and mayhem that shocked our fair city just two weeks ago. So, uh, as we see this, the, the, uh, uh, let's see, her name is, uh, okay. Nancy is uh, wearing a nun's uniform with a bunch of nuns racing to the execution of Vic, played by uh, uh, Reed uh, Bernie, who just is every politician in a show these days. And uh, I do love him in this because he's young and I don't ever remember him being young uh, nowadays, (laughs) which is kind of weird. Now, one of the things that Sam Raimi had a real big problem with is that he wanted Bruce Campbell to play the lead in this movie. And instead, they made uh, um, uh, Reed Bernie the the lead in this, and that he had a real problem with it. So much so that the Coen Brothers and uh, this movie has been disavowed by both of them as like yeah. we don't like this movie. I don't want my name on it. This movie sucks. Yeah. But Jeremy absolutely loves it. Um, well, I have to be honest. I I do have to wonder would I like the film more. If Bruce was the lead, because I mean, Bruce was an executive producer on this, wasn't he? I don't know. So, but if I personally, I thought he made the Ronaldo character so good in this that he I does. couldn't imagine anyone else playing the sleazeball character. It is a better casting. I feel like I don't hate the casting call because I, I think if he played the dorky, he doesn't come off as dork. He's too handsome uh, to be a nerd. Yeah. You know, I, I have to accept him as the world's greatest chin. I'd like to think that the, uh, the lead could have been played by uh, Danny Elfman. 
Yeah, Danny Elfman, Jerry, not a bad call yeah. right there. And I by the way, that. the music would have been so much better. Much um, more, more musical. So uh, he's. What's fr- this? What's this? There's murder everywhere. <laughs> What's this? Byron's, Byron James is uh, watching my girl undress. What's this? Um, so uh, uh, as he's uh, telling, as he's headed to the electrocution chamber, he. Um, he uh, starts to tell his story about why he shouldn't be here. No hard feelings on this end, and mistakes do happen. And naturally, I can explain everything. See, I only worked for Mr. Odegaard and Mr. Trent. I was an employee in their security shop, and Mr. Odegaard wasn't a very nice guy. And Don't sit down, Vic! <laughs> I guess he was planning to sell the shop right out from under Mr. Trent's nose. Somehow, Mr. Trent must have found out about it. So, uh, in his little flashback, you see that Ronaldo, uh, played by Bruce Campbell, was working uh, with the other gentleman, Mr. Uh, Odegaard, to uh, sell the business uh, underneath Mr. Trent's nose. So, uh, Mr. Trent sees this and launches a plan uh, to uh, kill his partner by calling a pair of exterminators, played by uh, Paul L. Smith, probably most famously known as the character who plays um, uh, Bluto in the Popeye movie, who just is a literal Bluto when he walks around. Anybody knows which pedigree? Tenet, penitentiary they're they're in uh no what what penitentiary are they in jeremy hudstuck hudsucker state penitentiary otherwise known as the hudsucker proxy who was in uh, um, uh robbins and also apparently nicholas cage is working at Hudsucker Industries in uh, Raising Arizona. Correct. So Hudsucker is a word that uh, is an industry name that uh, the Coen brothers often use in their films. Uh, I believe you mentioned Tim Robbins, who is in the Hudsucker Proxy uh, as well there. Before you go through the uh, the first... Uh, My favorite uh, thing is deciphering a sentence that Jeremy said. Well, <laughs> I used to. Um... <laughs> First, the first flashback when they, they put him in the chair, who is, who is uh, uh, in the press room right behind the bars? Who's in the press room uh, right behind the bars? Um, I, 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 it's not ringing a bell, Jeremy. Do tell. One guy has a press hat. The other one has a camera. Right next to him are the Cohen brothers. Oh, cool. So they make a little cameo in the movie that they've disavowed. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, uh, Vic gets to uh, Vic talks to his boss, uh, Mr. Trend, who tells him that he needs to find a good woman because he loves his lady, uh, Mrs. Trent, so goddamn much, enough that he would murder to keep their job. Uh, and he would do anything for sweet Helene. And uh, Nancy then comes waltzing through the doors uh, in almost like five seconds later, uh, the lady who he will instantly fall in love with. If there's one thing I love about about uh, any Sam Raimi movie, there is no boring part of a Sam Raimi movie. It moves along quick like that. Just You get just enough dialogue to get you to the next thing, and then we are 
close shot like this. Zoom in on another face. Let's go. We're doing something else now. You're right, Eric, because I do like my movies the way I like my relationships moving way too fast that I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so she almost gets run over by our two uh, exterminators, uh, Paul L. Smith, who's playing Farron Crush, and Byron James, who's playing Arthur Cottish. And uh, what can I only explain is the most annoying voice in the world that you'll hear. <laughs> um, uh, very cartoony sounding. Uh, they actually have a giant rat that's on top of their exterminator. Asian car that has light up red eyes um, that still couldn't even put a dent in a Jeremy Woodworth household. Um, um, by the way, by the way, this was the scene that my my cousin and I would act out in real life because there was a a glove compartment. And, I, and, and my brother, my cousin, would go towards the uh, go towards the the open, <laughs> open dash dash thing. Like, hey, you can get it. You get it. No, nah, no, nah, like, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, Jerry? Is that is that what you would do? So yeah, the Farron's favorite thing to do is like when Arthur goes to get a cigarette out of the glove box, he just crushes his hand. He's like, "This is the best day of my life again." <laughs> yeah, smashing um, hands. I also love that their motto or their like slogan was "We kill all sizes," and I was like, "That's funny," because that was also my motto at my first abortion clinic. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So, um, uh, Nancy comes in, waltzing through the door, uh, almost gets run over, and uh, we get to hear this line here as uh, uh, Sweet Farron goes to rough up our hero, uh, Vic. One more thing, Joe. Don't you ever call me a maniac. (gasps) Would a crazy person get out of a car and just assault somebody instantly? (laughs) Would a maniac do that? I love that Jeremy's doing the Clifford. <laughs> what are you doing, Jeremy? Are you trying to play something? We can't hear any of that because oh, you don't know. You don't know how to turn on uh, music, uh, the noise suppression thing off on your computer, which I tried to show you how to do. So we're not going to be able to hear it. I try and do to suppress the, the conversation i'm just playing recorder oh okay got <laughs> <laughs> so uh as it moves along uh uh, Arthur um, comes in. Uh, f- so the storm of the century has rolled through uh, Detroit City, uh, which is the setting of this place. is wonderful and beautiful Detroit. And, Make it uh, back to Detroit. So uh, as the storm of the century blows through, which literally has, you would think, a storm of the century would include some type of precipitation. It doesn't rain once in this movie. It's just a windstorm that's really bad, uh, which I also find funny. Um, just like Warlock, it's the it's the devil's wind. It's the devil's wind. Wait, the devil's wind. That's what I call my toots. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you when uh, Ashley toots, it looks like uh, the guy sitting behind her is in like a Maxwell commercial, Maxwell tape commercial from the nineties. Like, when he's uh, the cow. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There. <laughs> That's so. funny because Eric's in this movie. I saw him making vape clouds that look like chodes. <laughs> chodes and loads. Uh, <laughs> so Arthur uh, ends up going in to kill Mr. Oregard, uh, but Miss Trends witnesses him coming in. And uh, so Mr. Trends has to get involved and he's like trying to cover it up. Like, you didn't see anything. I think such as maybe he's over the, I'll go check it out. But remember, I didn't know this. And it's a very awkward scene. Uh, but he yeah. goes in there and also ends up getting zapped to death uh, by uh, Arthur, uh, who has this, ki- he's a rat killing machine. It looks like a giant car battery with a bunch of things. And he sets it from rats to humans. Uh, which, is- <laughs> which I thought was funny. I also like that there's the setting, though, if you aren't careful, if you turn it the other way, it'll attract rats or it'll attract humans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Meanwhile, Vic then uh, st- stands up uh, to. So Ronaldo is now taking out uh, Sweet Nancy, who she she's just enamored with uh, gorgeous Ronaldo, uh, who asks her out right in front of Vic in at the uh, uh, earlier in the movie. And now they're at like a snazzy 1920s style swing dance club where he's just being a total pig. Um, but even though he stands up for her, he's still so totally unlikable and unfuckable that she's like "Ah, maybe I made the wrong choice and (laughs) he's the open mic comedian of romance I do it's like a real Christmas Devo. Yeah, yeah. But so so I did pick up this one Bruce Campbell pickup line as he's trying to make his date Nancy uh, now upset with him as he meets this new girl. I haven't seen you here before. like that in a woman. <laughs> You're cute. Keep talking, baby. Maybe you'll tell me something I don't already know. And then he literally makes finger guns that actually make gun sounds. So... <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I wish I want that to be the real life Bruce Campbell to be able to make cartoon gun sounds just by making finger motions. It's what he deserves. So, um uh Vic she ends up kissing Vic anyhow just to make him jealous. Now, uh while this is all happening, uh uh, sweet Farson Crush and our two exterminators uh, realize quickly that they may have murdered the wrong fella here, this second guy. And uh, Farron then spots Miss, uh, Miss Trends as she's watching through the thing, uh, and he just starts to go full juggernaut mode, try to break his way, and he bounces off of the door and then starts punching his way through. And the second he gets through, there's a black guy who's just mid-shave, comes out, he's like, hey, you can't be doing that in here! And he fucking conks him on the head, knocks about this guy did nothing except just try to protect his house he'll be back soon though don't worry so uh while that after that happens ronaldo then sticks nancy with the bill because he only pays half of it because he's such a shit bag that he's just like well i put my half down see you later toots and uh she now needs to borrow 36 dollars so she asks sweet vic if he she can loan him the money would you lend me $36? Sure. If I had $36, <laughs> I don't usually walk around with that much money on me. <laughs> so where on earth am I going to get $36? Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. 
The winners of tonight's Rialto Dance Riot will receive $36. (laughs) Exactly $36 if you can win the dance competition. Of course, they enter it and they start dancing. And within like two seconds, they're then dancing and washing dishes in the back. I, you know, as far as like a two minute bit goes, it was Mm. kind of perfectly done. I did enjoy that and Mm. uh, get a big laugh out of it. Uh, Really perfect Sam Raimi storytelling in that two minutes right there but i think i think that's where like i struggle to like the movie though in the sense of like comedically there are parts that i'm like god this is funny this is like good bits but i find it so detached from the rest of what's happening in the movie that i just i don't know how to enjoy it i feel very i'm sad i yeah in in the in the back of my mind so if you watch this as like hey Sam Raimi really loves the Three Stooges. It's a great Three Stooges movie. But then you think about what we missed out on of like, imagine this being directed by the Coen brothers and being told like Raising Arizona or like the Lady Killers or something like that. Like it's such a different movie in my head. Like no, what if it had this crazy serious tone, like a no country for old men where it's actually two exterminators with like fucking God, just like picking characters out that the Coen brothers really have made into this yes. thing and putting them all in the film sounds fucking amazing. I just feel frustrated that I I picked it truly on purpose, kind of going, excuse me, I don't know a lot about this movie. I know two people on this podcast mm-hmm. like this movie. I was like, we're just going to dive into it. And it was so hard for me personally to like. That's why I'm also having a hard time like adding meaningful content mm-hmm. to our episode today because it was such a hard watch for me. Yeah, I mean, I will say if this is a movie if you like just watching the three stooges this is the movie for you because that's what this is it's just watching a live action well it's like watching a modern day 80s um yeah they did make a live action like it was terrible it was really terrible i love you will sasso but that movie sucked ass yeah not enough not enough slapstick uh not enough doors that get closed in a giant hallway one after another i'll tell you that much uh (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, I think it's wonderful that like let's make the most annoying character as the lead in the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say Reed Birdie is like has the likability factor of a Chris Lawrence. Truly, like if the movie like, could make the, the lead actually Tom Myers. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you know, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, man, she should really fuck this guy. No, at no time did I think like he should get the girl at any point. Um, he doesn't deserve it. So a Tom uh, Myers movie. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, uh. Farron finally gets up to Miss Trenz's uh, apartment and comically actually pulls the carpet and the whole room towards him because he's a cartoon character and uh, starts choking her by the window, which I do love this. There's, he's trying to keep the murder quiet and cover her face as like the guy. And it's just the classic. Um, let me see if we can hear Jeremy play the flute here. Oh, God. Jeremy's trying to play the flute. Yep, you have noise suppression, Jeremy. It'll never work. Okay, so um, we'll just keep doing the show. Um, you don't know how to turn your noise suppression off, so you'll never be able to play an instrument like Mock. that. Mock, yeah. 
We didn't hear yeah. that, Jeremy, either. Go. And now I don't know if he's talking or not, but... I, I, oh, I, I turned my mic, mic off, sorry. <laughs> okay. So, sorry. Um, so uh, I, lo- I do like this because this is all of... Uh, uh, every trope of a Sam Raimi film is in this little particular shot here where he's choking her and it's a close-up of the thing and it's like, okay, I need to alert this guy down here. No, you need to be quiet. And then she's trying to knock over the potted plant to alert him but then the guy grabs it the last second but it's by the the hair of it and then the bottom of the pot falls off of the plant and it falls but the guy gets in his car at the last second closes it and of course it doesn't work so it's always just like this tension building uh misdirection misdirection ah ah, ah, just kidding it you're fucked now um can i can i get get out the sound sound bite that was my favorite part as soon as the 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 old man goes to the 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 death place where the guy was zapped with the uh, the the, uh, the zapper is that he goes to the to the back and you you see the light going back and forth. As soon as the light goes back and forth, you hear this, which is from Evil Dead when 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 Bruce Campbell is going in, insane. You just hear the sound. If, if you know Evil Dead Two, that noise is in your fucking head. Oh, all right. I'm. I. I. Pro- I think I missed that part. I wish I had pulled the audio for it, but I. It's almost, did not. It's almost like the the sound when you go by the cars it, at the end of it. It's like whoosh, 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 because it, uh, it's not any sound, but there's it's lines on the road going. Whoosh, whoosh. Oh, okay. All right. Does that shit like you like? It doesn't make sense. It's just funny. So I I couldn't stop laughing about it. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, the, the Matt Kaiser's Kaiser part of my head is like, no, that's funny. That's yeah. fucking funny. That's like that's like in the wheel in the Price is Right, man. So. Yeah, I, you're, Matt Kaiser, you're making references of open micers from 13 years ago. <laughs> I love it. Um, so <laughs> it was just a joke for me and no listener. Um, <laughs> So, uh, finally, um, uh, all of a sudden when she's about to be killed, uh, our neighbor walks in, uh, the black guy who he knocked out earlier with a bat, and, uh, we hear this. Drop her, you little punk. <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass. Buckwheat, I was gonna give you an advantage. <laughs> I asked her to look at God, sweet earth, mister. Oh, you was about to meet the being what made it. Whoa, you was about it, to meet the being what made it. <laughs> it feels like, oh, it feels a little bit racist for him to use that voice while he's talking to that dude because he totally sounds like Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And I just keep waiting for him to be like, acid dreams of green. <laughs> 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 As the bloom, big guy who should play Pluto too. I'm a victim myself. I can't do it. So, uh, uh, he shuts the lights off. Uh, <laughs> does sweet Farron, uh, and somehow is able to hide in the darkness. Hey, you can't see me. Yeah. 
and uh, eventually just very stupidly holds a jacket out that this uh, this neighbor is so excited he fucking tries to Ray Lewis spear him and just goes flying through the window uh, to his death uh, or so we would think uh, he actually just somehow falls out of like an 18 story building and just well, I'm completely fine. And he's laughing and he's just having the time of his life. <laughs> when Byron James comes out of nowhere. Hey, it looks so funny. Why don't you share it with the rest of us? Go <laughs> on. <laughs> so Byron James' character, Arthur, just runs him over with the extermination truck right after that. Which I have to say, the getting run over thing did make me laugh super hard i actually really enjoyed that the other thing is these voices they're doing in this movie that laugh i think that is a laugh you encounter i want to know how eric specifically feels about this, I, but I, feel like, I think we encounter it every week and his name is jeremy oh, that's not what I meant. and it's not quite the same no 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 it is not the same laugh there is a type of laugh and you hear it maybe once like i would say once a year you go to a comedy show and you're having a great show, but there's one audience member, usually a woman, who laughs like that. Oh. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she just captured Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh. Oh my yes, god! Annie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's horrible, and they're always with someone, and I'm like, who would fucking marry you? Like if- <laughs> If I had to hear your laugh for the rest of my life, I'd kill you. Like, that's a fucking nightmare. Sorry, just saying. If I had to hear that laugh every week, I'd fucking shoot somebody. Okay, I'm good. So, uh, the next scene after this guy's been killed and uh, Miss... um, uh, Miss Trend is tied up now for the time being uh, is Nancy and Vic. Uh, they're finally done washing dishes after the worst date of her life. He says, hey, why don't you just look on the bright side? And uh, she goes... Uh, it reminds me of Eric. And I, I actually had a sub note that said, here's every conversation I have with Ashley. <laughs> oh my god, it fucking is. I could be like, hey, I just found out I have cancer. And Eric could be like, at least you haven't had cancer up until now. Yeah, think about <laughs> all the good okay. years you had up until now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, Eric, I'm really depressed. I, He's like, it could be worse. Like, I am. I do have a thing that's been described as toxic positivity, and it's yes. <laughs> it's not good. It's slowly eroding uh, the bedrock of your relationship <laughs> with other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we go. Here, here's your response to uh, uh, to looking on the bright side. You're not being rational, Nancy. Of course, there's a bright side. <laughs> No bright side. No bright side. No bright side. No bright side! (laughs) And she then then passes out after that as he uh, catches her and whisks her off. Uh, Now, I will say... There, this is this next scene is the hardest I laugh in the entire movie. Okay, it is the elevator scene where Byron James is trying to hide the dead body of the guy he just run over and bring him into the building, and he's waiting for. Him. He's like, oh, "Come on, open up the thing!" And the police are getting close to the door to come to investigate, and the doors finally open up, and there's a little kid that says, "Hey, I'm the captain of this elevator. We're stopping on every floor." And <laughs> He fucking takes this kid and f- 
fucking DJ Jazzy Jeffs him out of the goddamn. Speaking of children that run the ship, I think yours is downstairs with you right now. Yes. What is it, sweet Susie? <laughs> yeah, have a snack. You've you've asked me uh, in a time I can't argue with you. You've I won. I can't wait till she's like 30 and she's in your house and she's like, hey, can I have a snack? I By the way, that's her thing. there is nothing scarier as an adult uh, yes. since I've been a father uh, yes. is wearing headphones in a house because yes. this is what happens is that there is a person when you thought you were alone in the room that you go, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know. I heard you saying it and I'm whatever but i was i was trying to low level warn you i was like i don't think eric knows his kid is sneaking up behind him yeah side story real quick sorry but i will tell you uh at work also it's super loud outside sorry um one of my employees you guys know from last week i like to fuck with specifically when he wants to go to the bathroom and i told him i'm gonna up the ante because he has four kids and i'm just gonna do what kids do and while he's trying to poop i'm gonna shove my fingers under the door and be like hey open up let me in Come on, what are you doing in there? I want to talk to I, you. When you said shove my fingers, I was so happy you said under the door. Can I just say that? Can I say that I was really excited? I don't know. Wait till I word. ruin this job and I do shove fingers. <laughs> I was glad that the word hockey puck or anything wasn't involved at hey, that point. Hey, my boss <laughs> loves that story. I We love that story, to be clear. My boss um, loves that story. One word, lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> uh, lawsuit or law soup? Because I also make a mean soup out of people who turn me into the authorities. So uh, he's able to... So he's able to barely evade the, the cops, right? So Byron James then goes up, uh, gets out of the elevator, then has to hide in Nancy's apartment where he has this weird scene where she's changing and he has his eyes closed. Uh, uh, Vic has his eyes closed so he doesn't see. And he's like, oh, okay, let me hand this garment to you, okay? And uh, he's doing all this. And he leaves the room and she professes his love, her, uh, she professes that she's kind of into Vic, which nobody could believe. And um, he's like, well, I'm going to burn again. And then he goes Ugh. in and holds her mouth. And then Vic comes in and does the exact same thing. But she doesn't say anything back because she's being sexually assaulted. And as this is all happening and breaking down, uh, he's he's also calling everything he's going to say. Like, he's just like, I just never met a girl like you before. <laughs> it's just he's nailing it. And it's like, oh. Oh, God damn it. So um, he uh, ends up uh, getting out of there and then the cops finally come up and then the kid is now in the elevator with the black guy. And the first thing the cops say is like, is that, where'd you find that Negro son? <laughs> oh my God, that was wild. wild. But can I also say inappropriately, mm -hmm. feels like a great new piece of merch, new t-shirt. Where'd you get the Negro? Yes, yes. And then the cops ask the kid, hey, who would have, could have done such a thing? And he goes, my dad. And his dad pops his head out. I was like, hey, son, how's it going? And so the cops immediately arrest this very well-to-do gentleman uh, who goes down for the murder of his neighbor. Um, another another job well done by the police right here there's these guys really say uh hey we caught Dahmer on the sixth or seventh domestic call that we got um <laughs> well here's the part i don't believe where they're like who could have done this and he's like my dad and i'm like 
No, who could have done it? The police. They love killing black people and making <laughs> someone else. You're like, yeah, the real the real scene would have been to say, who could have done this? And they were like, my dad. You're like, sir, would you like to join the police force? <laughs> he gets, they hand him a badge instantly. They were like, thanks for cleaning up the town of Detroit. <laughs> uh, this. I'm sorry, what was that? Add this to the uh, podcast. Yeah, add it. All right, see if you can hear this. Ça fait du bien quand même de Donc, je je repose ma question. On tient plus la Jesus, is that her laugh? <laughs> Il y a la poule et la mouette qui s'y mettent, on est mal. Et ça que ça a reparti. Nassima Votre rire de klaxon vous a déjà mis dans des difficultés dans des endroits publics, ce rire de klaxon. It's a bad laugh. My favorite was... I liked it. I liked it. Jeremy, what was that audio clip you were playing for our listeners? Uh, winner of the weirdest laugh in the world. I gotcha. Uh, it was a weird, uh, unusual laughers in France. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I know the clip you're talking about, and it's just a whole bunch of weird laughers that are making each other laugh by hearing their weird laughs, and it's just... But I will say, it has to be the worst night to do stand-up. You have to do stand-up in front of that crowd. <laughs> That's the uh, bad. They're like, <laughs> I once I make some noise real- if you got kids. <laughs> I once did a show. I'm sorry, I'm taking a yeah. topic. I once did a show in Frederick, and one of my comedian friends brought their friend, and a guy leans in next to me like, God, she's so hot. I'm gonna take. I'm totally taking this girl home. I'm like, okay, good for you. And then. Five minutes after he says this, we hear her laugh at the cellar door. It just <laughs> <laughs> and this continues. You can't even hear the stand-up because of her laughing. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I'm gonna tell her how bad you wanna fuck her. And he's like, please don't. And I was like, he wants to take you home. And he thinks your voice is the sexiest thing he's ever heard. So be <laughs> loud in bed and then i got a text the next night from him and he's like fucking hate you i was like well how was it was it good did you make her tea yeah i'm about to go um and did he did he did he tom lee tom nutty in her All right, Jeremy. Yeah, he gave good. her the old Cheeto Santino. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He welded it shut. Um. So, oh, by the way, by the way, I was uh, behind Tom Nutty at the stables, and I I went behind his his shoulder. I was like, "Are you my my Nutty buddy now?" I do like calling him my Nutty buddy. No, the Tom Nutty is when you nut inside her, and then you leave her, and then like six years later, you come back. <laughs> All right. After the kids already out of diapers. So, um, so, uh, 
He, he holds her mouth in the uh, in the bathroom. Um, Vic then leaves the bathroom. The cops are now gone, and Miss Trend goes to go escape, um, and she's able to get past him, but uh, uh, good old uh, Farron comes over and knocks him out and then go, goes to continue chasing uh, Miss Trend. They head out to a fire escape where Bruce Campbell, after she goes down, is like uh, is walking by with his date, and he goes, huh, "Maybe I am a heel. Maybe I'm not." Blah blah blah, and he's just being a fucking uh, dickhead. And then, of course, uh, Sweet Fair and then comes down the fire escape and just crushes him. And I love how fake the dummy looks at this scene. It it really lends to how funny it makes me laugh. I. If there's one thing that makes me laugh harder than anything in the world, it's a shitty special effect. Like, one that's, like, so obvious to the, like, viewer that, like, that, that right there's a fucking dummy, and you showed us on purpose that it's a dumb special effect. Like, I kind of fucking yeah. love that. Um, m- case in point, my th- nothing makes me laugh harder in this world than the movie Orgasmo, where, um, <laughs> where fucking, uh, uh, uh Jeremy, Jeremy, um, uh, God, why can't I, I had Jeremy, but I didn't remember Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy uh, gets kicked in the face, and all of a sudden, it's an actual ceramic pot that gets kicked and broken. Yes. I don't know why that makes me. I don't know. It, it, there's something about the shittiness of it that makes me laugh very hard, and this has rings true to that type of humor. Um, funnier, funnier than uh, Matt Stone as a Harry Kirshner. So. Yes. So, uh, but but then uh, I would say. I feel like they blew the budget literally on this scene um, is uh, he chases her to a, a, a door sales shop yes. where, <laughs> where love this. she runs through a series of walls and doors one after another, closing them behind her as Farron is just going juggernauting his way through like, I'll break this door. I'll break that door. I'll break this door. And they get all the way to the end when it's, finally the giant steel vault door that she closes and he can't break through it but because it's kind of teetering she pushes it back the other way and then they all start dominoing the other way as he's running Mm -hmm. through i i i just think it's a beautiful piece of cinema that you could only see in a cartoon and the only person who would ever try to bring it to a live action is a sam raimi and uh i really there's something there's a quality about it i really love i really another another level of uh buster keaton that he never had yeah no like that's kind of true um I would actually like this more though if it had a zombie in it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a bit pretty tight. I'm just get chased by a zombie one direction and then go the other. I'm just saying. Maybe that was the first time that the black guy became a zombie, but he still got hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, uh, meanwhile, he's now crushed underneath these doors, but he'll get out. Don't worry. But Miss Trent is now safe, and you won't see her for the rest of the film. Uh, but as you uh. Uh, now Nancy's trying to escape out of the building because Arthur has now kidnapped her. He's going to take her for his own. Uh, you uh, you do see a neighbor downstairs, though, who has a pair of beautiful little Scotty dogs, and they're just adorable. And uh, he uh, she says, hey, put that lady down. Who's going to stop you, old bat? You and those fag dogs? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
as soon as he says that, two giant Dobermans appear from around the corner and bite up uh, uh, Byron James, uh, which allows Nancy to escape. And now uh, she escapes through the street. And I would say this is probably the Sam Raimi movie, uh, as we know, something that is a, a constant in almost every one of his films is the good old Delta 88. And the Delta 88 is sitting right there on the street and she hops in it, actually finds the dead body of uh, the partner that was killed first in the movie uh and she hops right in that uh, that the delta and she's ready to hit the road hey 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 yeah so uh the two dogs that she's she's uh holding are actually schnauzers mm-hmm. um jared's dog was a schnauzer and he called him mr mckeever Oh. oh, lovely! Our dead cousin uh, had a oh. had a schnauzer named Mister McKeever. The, the Brian James giving <laughs> these dogs a certain name. That's super mm-hmm. cute. I I know they're a breed of dog, obviously, but I always called penises schnauzers. Schnauzers, <laughs> schnauzers. So, uh, uh, he uh, she then flees uh, in the good old Delta 88. Uh, she finds uh, Mr. Ogilby's body. Uh, they chase her in the Center City Ratmobile, and Vic is finally off just to see them peel away. But he finds a guy driving a station wagon who's a true romantic who just willingly gives him the car so he can follow suit, and a hero is now born. I don't claim to know a whole lot about the grand design. Rips his apron Those off. Fellows are gonna suck on some of you. I like that he says that you're gonna suck on some abuse, which uh, what I think is what every battered wife says. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she. Uh, she gets away, uh, and uh, there's one more hand smash scene that we've already talked about. At nauseum. Now the chase is on. The battle happens between the two car. It happens on top of cars. He at one time he's like uh, hanging between the two, like a like a wishbone human bridge, until he finally gets the upper hand on uh, Art, who then pulls out a zapper and then sets it from humans to heroes, <laughs> and then. Uh, he ends up smashing it and then throwing it off and it explodes. And he, when he gets the better hand and starts beating the shit out of him, you hear this. Please don't hit me again with that baseball bat. I realized what I did was wrong and, well, I, I'm sorry. Sometimes sorry isn't good enough. Wait. From now on, I'll be good. I swear it's the truth. Just one more chance. Well, please. Friend? Well? Alright. Just this once. Put her there, buddy. Immediately punches him in the face and, of course, turns the tables. Uh, he finally gets Vic to the ground and then rips the rat on top of the uh, extermination truck and is about to smash it into him when you hear this. Now, Vic tries to warn him that, hey, hey there's an overpass coming. He's like, you just want me to look over there because I'm going to go kill you. You see, Vic, you believe in people, and I don't. That's why I'm going to bash your stick a little scum. <laughs> 
course, he gets hit by the overpass. Which, which sends Farron into oh, a frenzy. Can we can we gloss over the fact that during the fight scene, his shocker just reappears in his hands on the on the car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad continuity. Just like yeah, it's been destroyed, but he has it again as he gets crushed. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's from men to hero. I mean, uh, it, yeah. Who would? I can't believe they didn't keep the continuity of this movie. That is in no way completely plausible. So That's what took me Rito out. Of it. Firing <laughs> against Han Solo. So, so, uh, so uh, he's dead now. Um, Farron now loses it, crashes the Ratmobile and the Delta. Now the Delta 88 is now teetering on the edge of a bridge about to fall into the icy depths of the Detroit River, which I'm not sure is a body of water, but we're going to go with it. Uh, it dangles there, and they uh, uh, it's held on by like a little bit of the guardrail. Uh, uh, Farron comes out, and they have a, a, a guardrail versus bumper fight as they are swinging a piece of guardrail versus a bumper. Um, it tumbles onto the car, and then Nancy is able to finally get rid of Farron by popping the hood and hitting him in the face, uh, and he falls to the, to the icy waters below. Um, and uh, as Vic hangs on for dear life next to the car he urges nancy to jump over and just at the last second the car plunges into the water crushes farron and we see that nancy is luckily still holding on to the legs of vic as she really fucking shittily climbs up him and like puts an elbow in his face and then fuses his face to like climb up uh to her freedom um but unfortunately it wasn't enough for Vic to hold on because he also falls in as part of the guardrail uh falls off that he's holding on to uh which we think might be his ultimate demise um so we're then um transported back to the present as Vic has now finished his story telling his executioners and then I hit the water so you see, I'm practically a hero. Oh, thanks. Uh, so if it hadn't been for me, there's no telling how many people those maniacs might have killed. Tell it to St. Peter. St. Peter? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but seriously, if you could just find Nancy, she'd prove everything I've told you. Nancy, Nancy. You probably killed her just like all the others. She's alive, I tell you. She was on the bridge. I don't know what happened to her, but maybe if you ran a picture of her in the paper. Oh, sure, yeah. We'll run a picture of her. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, Obit. Ah, ah, yeah. Next to my. So, uh. <laughs> They prep everything for the big electrocution, uh, gears and everything getting in point, and uh, Nancy is racing with a bunch of nuns. We don't know why she's with them, but we'll find out soon enough. But just as that happens, all of a sudden, the governor bursts in. Finally, salvation for Vic. Mr. Governor! Am I too late? No, Governor. Oh, thank God. I didn't want to miss this. <laughs> so now the governor, another gag that they pull on us at the last moment. But moments after that, sweet Nancy bursts through the door with all the nuns, tells the story to everyone. And she's, and they go, hey, 
can any of these people corroborate your story? But the nuns have now taken a 40-year vow of silence, and they can't do anything. And so they go to go pull the switch, and it all of a sudden spins the newspaper that says, man, electrocuted to death. And then all, and then it scrolls down to the paper and says, almost, be, but <laughs> saved because nuns finally break 40-year vow like of silence. <laughs> and then it shows Vic and Nancy... At the altar, getting married, and having the super happy Wayne's World ending that none of us deserved. Which brings us to an end of 1985's Crime Wave. We'll start with Jeremy. Jeremy, your final thoughts on Crime Wave. I never saw the uh, bookmark until now. Because uh, Luis Lazar is in, in uh, Uruguay in a box. So. Oh, yeah? Oh. <laughs> um, Ashley, your final thoughts on Crime Wave. I regret that I picked this movie, and by the time I realized it, it was too late to pick something else. I might want more. Oh, well, there's next time. Oh, well, there's two weeks away, and it'll be yours. Uh, Ashley, compared to the other picks, this was great. I Not true. I love Space. First of all, your picks, if I had to rank your picks... Stronger than Jeremy's uh, in my <laughs> personal hierarchy. Um, God damn it. I would hope so. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> so um, I will say that. Uh, no salvage team in, the, in this movie. So. Hey, there wasn't a salvage team in Species 2. I feel like uh, this movie, though, uh, overall, uh, I do enjoy it. It does. It does tickle my funny bones. If you're a person who likes ridiculous humor and movies that really even the people that made them hate. This is your film. You should check it out. I give it four out of Say four. That. Um, that women hate yeah. that's that we love. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I, you're. That's probably a true story. We could get into that, but maybe on a future a- uh, episode. Ashley, what do you got coming up? Uh, you can always find me at Ashley Pontius Laughs on Instagram. Uh, I will be with Eric and Tommy, where they will be performing as Bussy, uh, June 23rd. That's this coming Friday in York, PA. Um, you can also catch me headlining the Devonshire Arms Cafe and Pub in Shepherdstown, Wednesday, June 28th. Hell yeah. Check all that shit out at Ashley Pontius Laughs. You can catch all things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. Of course, I'll be there York, PA on Friday and another PA show at Waynesboro at the Rough Edges Brewery Saturday night with Mike Stork. Jeremy, take us out of here. Maybe I am a heel. Ow! <laughs>